Good morning, everyone. We're thinking this morning again about this very strange subject, possibly you might think, Thou shalt not kill, and this is number three. And I want to read a few verses from Matthew chapter 18. The disciples came to Jesus and said, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whosoever shall receive one such little child in my name, receives me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones, which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. So I want us to see how precious in the sight of our God are his children. Isn't that lovely? What a way to start the new week. To think that if you're a child of God, if you've come to faith, if you've done like this little child, uh, pictures that you've become like a little child, you've humbled yourself then and come to Christ and received him as your Lord and Saviour, then in the sight of God, you're infinitely precious and loved by him. And therefore, the, the Lord Jesus says the penalty, so to say, of killing, and you know what I mean by killing, I don't necessarily mean to say literal murder, but in the light of what Matthew chapter 5 taught us, how we behave towards a child of God. The penalty, if you like, then, is a millstone tied around the neck and cast into the depths of the sea. Well, the Lord Jesus is illustrating to us the solemnity and seriousness of treating another child of God in a despicable and serious manner. And we need to take account of that. He goes on to say that uh, a man having a hundred sheep, and one of them, this is verse 12, uh, one of them goes astray, does he not leave the ninety and nine and goes into the wilderness, into the mountains and seek that which is gone astray? And if so, be that he find it, uh, he rejoices more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. So here is another illustration to us of how precious we are, not only in the eyes of the Father, but in the eyes of the Shepherd, the Lord Jesus, the Good Shepherd, the Great Shepherd, the Chief Shepherd. The Lord is my Shepherd. So, you're precious, dear child of God, this morning, in the eyes of the Father and in the eyes of the Lord Jesus and in their heart. And what I think is so important about this chapter 18 is that which the chapter concludes with. And the Lord Jesus talks about a certain king and how that there was someone who owed him 10,000 talents, this is verses 23 onwards. 
Uh, and that that would have been well. It depends really on in in which way you interpret this uh, in the sense of uh, whether it was the Jewish calculation or the Roman calculation. But anything between three million pounds and uh, fifty million pounds—a lot of money, in other words—this man owed to his master. But because he came and besought his master and sought forgiveness and deliverance from the debt, then his master forgave him. And then the same man goes out, after being forgiven so much, and finds one of his fellow servants, um, and who owed him probably something like three pounds, three or four pounds uh, in our money, and he threatened to send him to prison unless he paid him. And when we think of this in the light of of our never-dying souls and how Christ has paid the debt that we could never pay, and we have been forgiven that debt, and we have uh, God has been so gracious and so merciful to us, and we would never know how much we owe, but that debt unpaid, would have taken us to eternal loss, judgment, hell, uh, for eternity. Solemn indeed. But because of God's forgiveness, because of what Christ has done upon the cross, our souls have been forgiven and our debt has been removed. And he paid that debt for us in full there in the dark hours of Calvary. But then that same person goes out and treats a fellow servant, a fellow human being. In this context, a fellow professing child of God. And they behave in a despicable manner, not willing to forgive. So the whole of this chapter really has to do with the preciousness of the individual in the heart of God and in the heart of of the shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. And how important it is that we treat one another as we should. And then the central part of the of the chapter speaks about a brother trespassing against another. And verse 15 says, Moreover, if your brother shall trespass or sin against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he will hear you, you've gained your brother. Uh, but if you will not hear, then take uh, one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if you shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if you ne- neglect to hear the church, let him be unto you as a heathen and a publican or tax collector. In other words, cast out somebody that is not evidently uh, a, tra- a child of God. And uh, how, how serious it is when you and I that have been forgiven that we do not bear in our hearts always a readiness to forgive those that sin against us, those that, that are unkind towards us, those that speak evil perhaps of us as we've been thinking in past uh, considerations, those who have 
acted in a wrong way, how serious it is for them to have behaved like that. Stumbling another believer. Sinning against another believer as though it doesn't really matter. And never wanting to get it put right. But here the onus is upon the person that is offended. And three times over, they endeavour to get that person who has offended them to put things right. Beautiful, isn't it? Often we get in Scripture a threefold cord, and you remember what the Old Testament says, the threefold cord is not easily broken. So three times over, this individual who was the victim was the person who is the offended, not the offender, but the offended, goes to that individual privately, first of all. How important that is, that we don't become a talebearer going around telling people about what other people have done to us. No, go to them and speak to them in order to be reconciled. How important that is, you see, because that individual should be, in my heart, (coughs) precious. Not just write them off because they've not been nice to me. That's so easy, isn't it? That's, That's what worldly people would do. That's what people have never tasted of the grace of God and the forgiveness of God. That's what they would do. You see, it was God that came out to us, wasn't it? He was the offended one, we say reverently. He was the one against whom we had sinned. And he was the one that sent the Saviour in order that our sins might be forgiven. So if we're going to bear the character of our Father, which we should do as his children, then the onus is on us to go to that person that has offended us and hurt us and perhaps damaged us even. And we go to them individually, personally, privately, in order to tell them how they've hurt us and we don't want that to go on. We don't want that division between us. We don't want that rift to continue. So we go to them in order that we can not judge them, but seek to bring about reconciliation, to bring about forgiveness in our heart for them as they humble themselves and put things right as we explain to them how it has hurt us. But it fails. So you take one or two others with you, says the Lord Jesus. Not a whole crowd of people. Just one or two others. So that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every, everything that is said, every word should be established. Everything that is said on, from, both, from both parties is, uh, is fully known. And witness can be borne to it. So you try again to bring about reconciliation. You want to forgive that person because they're precious. This is what Jesus has said. Every child of God is precious. And we don't know who the children of God are if we're really truthful. But there are those that profess to be. And therefore we do everything we can with those that have professed to be the children of God to seek to bring about unity, to bring about humility, to bring about reconciliation and to bring about a confession and a putting right and forgiveness from, our, from us to them. 
How beautiful. This is how it should be. But even then, that person that has offended, even though two or three people have come and explained the situation and said how much this has damaged and hurt this individual, and still the offender will not put it right. So what do you do then? You bring the matter before the church. And there in the presence of the whole church, there's another endeavour to put matters right. And that's explained to that offender. And still, what does it say? If he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto you as a heathen or a tax collector. In other words, someone that doesn't belong to the church, somebody that doesn't bear the characteristics of the God in whom they say they put their trust. Evidently, that person is not a genuine Christian as far as I understand it. How solemn and how serious. But the, the, the onus is upon me if I've been offended because the desire that should be in my heart and if it isn't, dear child of God, this morning, we need to search our hearts and ask God why it's not in our hearts. The desire that is in our, should be in our hearts is that we want reconciliation. We want that person who has put themselves in that situation of being an offender to put it right, both for the glory of God, for the blessing of others, and for reconciliation between me and that person. These are the thoughts, these are the desires, these are the things that God by his Spirit has implanted within every true child of God. Not wanting division, not wanting schism, not wanting trouble, not wanting this lack of unity. How good and how pleasant it is, says the psalmist in Psalm 133. How good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. And that psalm finishes, because there God commands the blessing. Maybe, dear child of God this morning, this is why blessing is being withheld from so many churches. Because of such things harbouring evil thoughts within the heart instead of by the grace of God and by the wisdom of God going and endeavouring with that threefold attempt to bring about reconciliation, to bring about unity, to bring about confession, to bring about forgiveness and to bring about an embrace of love between God's people, knowing then the blessing of the Lord that will descend from heaven. So, so how solemn. How serious. But on the other side of it, how wonderful, how precious, how lovely it would have been if this account that the Lord Jesus speaks about would have, uh, would have ended with that, with that person saying, yes, I am guilty. I did say or do or behave in such a way to offend that other person and I'm so sorry. If he'd done that on the first occasion, what blessing that would have brought. But finally, before I close, I just want to say that in the light of this, of course, this is, a, this is actually where we get this verse where two or three are gathered together 
In my name, says the Lord Jesus, there am I in the midst, you see. The Lord Jesus is there in that church gathering. And to act in such a way after after all these attempts of reconciliation, when the presence of the Lord is there, what a solemn thing that is. It's a disregard, it's a disrespect, it's a complete denial of everything that that person has previously spoken about and, and uh, professed to be. But finally, I just want to say, Peter comes to the Lord Jesus after the Lord saying about these things, and he says, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times? Well, the law requires a lot less than that. But as we said before, grace demands far more than the law. No, Peter says, I'll do it seven times. Is that enough, Lord? And the Lord Jesus says, no, it's not enough. Seventy times seven. Well, the only other time I can think of, of 70 times seven in the Bible, is found in Daniel chapter uh, nine, where the prophecy uh, given to Daniel spoke of 70 weeks, or literally it is 70 sevens. In other words, 490 years. And of course, we know, those of us who I've looked at these things previously. We know that there were 69 weeks up to the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus when Messiah was cut off. And then there's a gap, and that gap is where we are now. And then the final week, the final seven, if you like, seven years, will take place during the tribulation period. Seven years of trouble upon this earth, never known before and never will be repeated again. And then at the end of the 77s, 70 weeks, Jesus comes again and sets up his glorious millennial kingdom. So I wonder whether perhaps the Lord Jesus is saying, you do it forever. You do it until the day when Jesus comes again. You do it, you forgive and you forgive and you forgive. If a brother offends you, if a sister offends you, and they come to you and they put things right, or you go to them and they put things right, continue to do that until the Lord Jesus comes. Because if you're anything like me, dear child of God this morning, you need God's forgiveness so often because we trip up day after day, don't we? So often we shouldn't, but we do. And so often we do things that offend the Father's heart and grieve the Holy Spirit. And we know something of his forgiveness when we come to him. And he stretches out his arms of love and affection and brings us back into the blessing and and favour of fellowship with himself. So may these things affect our lives, change our behaviour. And may it be that in these last days, just before the Lord comes, I believe, that there might be blessing. Because there says the psalmist. There, says the Holy Spirit, through the psalmist. There, when these things are in unity, when the Christians are together in unity, there, God commands the blessing. God bless his word to you today.